TheOAMNetwork.com. Hey guys, not all athletes are created equal. Individual programs are the best way to reach your full athletic potential, but they're expensive. We've created a training system that allows us to test you and place you into one of our program designs based on your strengths and weaknesses. Because of this, you can get the full effect of an individualized program without the cost. So go check it out under programs at garageathletes.com. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Garage Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Metz, and I am here at the Training Think Tank HQ with Max El Hodge, coach to the gods, coach to the fitness gods. Is that blasphemous? I hope not. I hope we don't if lose it. If it is, it's your fault. Yeah, it's I, my fault. I didn't say it. <laughs> Max is playing. No. Um, so, yeah, Max El Hodge, he has trained with dozens of CrossFit athletes um, over the years, in addition to other. Um, types of sports and things like that. Um, he has now made his home after uh, being a uh, fitness guru nomad across the United States here in, uh, in where are we? Roswell, Georgia? Is this that is Alpharetta. Alpharetta, Georgia, yeah. North Georgia. Um, here in the uh, home of Training Think Tank in uh, CrossFit Passion, also where one of your athletes, uh, it's his gym, Travis Mayer. Yep. Um, CrossFit Games athlete. And uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit today about... Just all kinds of crap. We, we tend to go off on tangents when Max and I talk, so we're just going to see where it takes us, and we'll probably talk a little bit about CrossFit, um, probably talk a little bit about um, existentialism, and <laughs> Max, before anybody who doesn't know you, go ahead and tell us um, a little bit about yourself. What makes a, a Max Elhage sandwich? Oh, man. That's like the that's the most loaded question you could ask somebody. I'm like, fuck, how do you define a person? What uh, I'm really hoping yeah. is, that you, is that this whole podcast is like one of those things where I ask you this question and your answer is like, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I've been in the industry for a long time. My father was in the Olympics. My mother was a, a CEO of a publicly traded nutrition company, and we had a personal training studio at home growing up. So I've kind of been in that industry uh, thinking about training for a long time. As an athlete, I went to Lehigh University to wrestle and play football. Uh, it was only a season long in football and a couple weeks in wrestling after a series of shoulder surgery, knee surgery, broken ankle, broken wrist, herniated discs in my back. And then I just became a student and personal trained to make some money on the side, worked at Dick Sporting Goods, moved down to Florida, got into training, uh, MMA, found CrossFit, moved to OPEX and was a director of training, assistant director of training out there, and then started training Think Tank two years ago. So over the course of my history, I kind of worked with people that were in the NFL, NCAA athletes, body composition athletes, but have turned into a largely CrossFit developmental business uh, just as a result of what my background has been. So I've worked with like 30-plus games athletes, but I do all – all one-on-one -on -one work. So either me or my coaches work directly with each individual. And as a result, the business has grown and 
things have been good. Wow, that is the most succinct. Do you practice that? Like it's no. like, hey, tell me your life and what you do in one paragraph. <laughs> because we didn't we didn't rehearse that beforehand, but that's yeah. probably the most efficient and succinct like explanation of from like I, I was born and now I'm here. Yeah. Well, that's like heard. that's like a life. I was born and I was dead and I did some shit in between <laughs> yeah. that I don't remember. <laughs> Because I had too many concussions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you said you were hurt a lot as an athlete. Did yep. you? You know? Did you need a good coach? Uh, well, I do look back on my own athletic history and wonder a lot what could have been had I had a different conceptual understanding of movement. Some of them were trauma related, like you, and I Stuff don't. You can't control. Yeah, you can't really control a 240-pound guy running full speed and landing on your shoulder and ripping your labrum. You can, but you uh, need a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you can't bring on a football yeah. field. Damn it. Unless uh, you're, uh, unless you're uh, Billy Blanks in the opening scene of The Boy Scout. Oh, yeah. I remember, remember that? that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that yeah. wouldn't work out for me. So do you think that moving, um, like looking back, I, obviously this is, again, maybe a loaded question. Do you think that that played anything into you wanting to be a coach because you didn't have one or, you know? Yeah. Well, my own coaching uh, really stemmed from a selfish desire to be the best that I possibly could be at everything that I wanted to do. Um, even like researching biochemistry and understanding how the human body operates and endocrinology and all of that stuff was driven from my 17-year-old self wanting to be leaner. Uh, then moving in and looking at power development was I wanted to be stronger in football. So I learned about all of that stuff. And I've always just had an insanely high retention for information and, and ability to read and disseminate information quickly and paid for consults with the best people because I was just hungry not obviously not in the literal sense, but I just, I wanted to be the best at what I did. And to some extent, I still am like that. I don't know now in a, in a coaching environment, how you can actually quantify what the best means, but I am obsessively trying to surround myself with people that are better than me to, to be the best in an objective way. But as you start to get older and, and more mature in your development, you realize that it's a really hard thing to quantify and you just continue to strive for progress and you never really get to this place where you could say I'm the best unless you're creating a marketing piece. You like you really understand on the yeah, back you end. You could say you're the best and that's the beauty of it. You could say you're the best and nobody could really be like, well, I'm the best. Why you're the best because of this? Because no one's put you yeah. know, a definition on it. Yeah. I it, bet Greg Glassman will soon though. <laughs> if he does, people will believe it. People will believe it. That's right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, but, you know, at the whole, like, what makes a good coach is kind of like a buzz now. I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about that. So, I, you know, don't necessarily need to get into that. But I think, you know, if we're just, like, scratching the surface, what you just explained is what a good coach is. Someone who is both um, very knowledgeable but also very humble and understanding that they need to continue growing themselves just like their athletes need to continue growing themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a problem I find in the industry in general. A lot of the a, a lot of becoming popular in the social media world of the fitness industry doesn't really require that much information. If you have a good marketing infrastructure, if you look good, if you understand a little bit of macro about macros, you understand very little bit about energy system training and a very little bit about strength training. You can become really famous in the course of like two or three years or even less than that if, if, if like the stars align and you meet the right people. 
And so people come to me and I have a, you know, a decent following and decent visibility and obviously a big enough knowledge base that people pay attention to what I'm saying. And they ask me like, well, how do you do that? And it's a continual process of continued education, learning. I, I spend thousands of dollars a year on, um, on consults with experts in the field. And sometimes I might think in my own head, like my expertise is more evolved than theirs, but they might have something to offer me. And then I hear people that are at a lower level of coaching who are like, Oh man, that, that, you know, that educational course is expensive. That this is expensive. How is that going to pay me back? And I'm like, look, man, knowledge is power. And if you're constantly striving to understand things at a deeper level, people are going to pay attention to you and you're going to be really good at what you do. And that will transcend whatever happens in the social media world. If all of a sudden there's a new Instagram that pops up and Instagram becomes irrelevant, then everybody whose business infrastructure is not set up on quality will have to relearn the skill that made them elite in the first place, right? They'll have to relearn their how that social media infrastructure operates, how to get followers, how to get new people. But people who are just good at what they do and are experts at the art of coaching can really can can not really worry too much about what's happening in the external world and can just work on their athletes. And that's what I've been, you know, that's what I've stuck behind my entire career as a coach is just constantly trying to make sure that I'm getting better as a coach and my athletes are being served to the best they possibly can be in the market. So, yeah, that's probably the commonality that you see the most. So if you were talking about consults with, you know, with gurus and things like that, um, go ahead and drop some knowledge bombs. Who do you think of when you, when you think of top people that, that you've actually learned from, um, you know, for anyone? Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's field specific. I mean, if you had to, I mean, from a movement standpoint, I think Ido Portal's concepts, uh, you know, and again, if his, if his bias is movement and your bias is helping athletic performance and athletic development, then you have to take his concepts or his conceptual framework, disseminate the information into a way that makes sense for your demographic and apply it in a way that makes sense for your athletes, unless you accept their bias and start training specifically for movement. So sometimes I'm reluctant to say this person's a guru because sometimes people listen to that directly and then go and they take on that person as a guru even though they're trying to get better at something else so they want to be as an example they want to be better at crossfit i say ito portal is a cross uh, is a guru they go to ito portal to get better but he's not a crossfit guru exactly yeah so his knowledge base is definitely world-class and expertise and his expertise is is unquestionable but you have to just make sure that it applies directly to your specific goal so he would definitely be one i love dr andreo spina's concepts on movement um charlie weingroff on movement is solid uh scotty hagness who's actually in the crossfit community i worked with uh specifically on movement uh patrick ward who's the director of sports science for uh the seattle seahawks and i you know obviously the the mediums that are public facing like kelly starrett and all those guys are definitely valuable but my obviously i just listed a bunch of movement guys just yeah just because well, uh, we're talking about that though, but like, you know, that's what we, and we can go into to other things too. Um, because I think it's very interesting, but what you're saying and, and what I'm gathering from this is that it, it's just like anything else. It's like when you go to college, you're learning all these, you're taking these different courses, but no one of these courses are going to, 
make you the best at your job. You have to have the ability to, like you said, disseminate that information. You can't just go go talk to Dave Spitz of Cal Strength and Ido Portal, if I'm pronouncing, is that yeah, right? Is that I, how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah, it's, it, phonics. He'll probably right, be offended. Yeah, phonics, guys. <laughs> hey, if we're saying it right, make a comment on garageathletes.com. <laughs> um, um, and you can't go take like, well, he's got a program, he's got a program. We're just going to throw all that shit in a bucket, and we're just going to do that. We're going to be the best ever. Like, no. that's not how it works. Yeah, well, I think people want that to be how it works. Yeah, well, absolutely. Pe- people want to turn other people into a guru and make that guru have the answer that is then going to turn them into the guru. But that's not really how the world works. You you have people that are experts in certain things, and they can give you information, and or they can even give you knowledge, but the wisdom is in the application. And there is just no way that you can you can get to the highest level of anything without actually having the experience. So for me, I'm lucky enough to have had the experience for a really long time. I'm lucky to have enough to have sought information from every single possibly source that I possibly could. And then on top of that, I'm just trying to learn more so that I'm always upgrading my own framework of thinking so that I don't get stuck in my own biases and can actually improve and evolve over time. Otherwise, I'm just going to be the same that I am today in 20 years, which I think would make me irrelevant in the industry. I think a lot of people are actually setting themselves up to be that way. And if you you know, look at a lot of the stuff they put out from a content perspective or a lot of the recommendations they make, they're never changing. You're like, whoa, hold on, wait, like this doesn't make sense. Like there's more to it than getting lean than just doing your macros. Like what about their endocrine profile, their age, their training age, their sleep profile, their habits, their thoughts, how do their thoughts influence their endocrine profiles? Like, And all of that stuff, a lot of it, we don't even have answers for yet. But if you're not asking the questions in the first place, you're, you're just not. not the answers. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Maybe that message isn't appealing, but to me, I think it it is appealing if somebody is open-minded enough to understand that an expert is largely driven by their understanding of what they don't know, not what they actually do know. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it keeps coming back to that. So as... You, you talked about a couple of movements. Yeah. What are some of the other, I guess, categories that you would consider that, that you look out when you're trying to? And, and again, we're saying if, if you spend 10 hours with these people, maybe you take an hour worth of the actual information you get and utilize it in what you actually do. Yeah. But it's still valuable. Yeah. So I'd say, well, are we, we're talking about CrossFit specifically, yeah, there, like, right? So, yeah. So specifically since, I mean, yeah. Yeah. What so, well, I guess so. So my my research is kind of segmented into a bunch of different groups. I'm making this up on the fly in terms of the categories, but yeah, you strength. So you're not using that chart that you've got in the background. I no, I have a big whiteboard <laughs> in there that I have most of my notes on. Um, so strength. And I, I think that's actually the most simple to get in the in, in the market. Saturated as shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So strength endurance or any sort of energy system training would be the two basic training ones. Then you'd have like nutrition, which can be split into like, could also be subcategorized into like uh, performance nutrition and health nutrition. And, mm-hmm. and one will probably have more to do with uh, like what specific energy production needs you have as a result of training. And one is probably more for endocrine management. Uh, Leanness and health would probably be more for the endocrine management side. Then human behavior would have to go into it. Movement. Movement can also probably encompass gymnastics because gymnastics and movement are, well, movement is probably a, a larger subcategory and gymnastics would fall underneath it. Then 
sports specificity, habit development. Uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of one of those people that believes that everything relates to everything else. So if you read a book, there's going to be principles inside of that book, no matter what the field is. Even if it's metaphors in a fantasy novel, there's going to be things that you can see in there about people's ability to overcome obstacles, about people's ability to be motivated by certain tasks, whatever that could apply to learning as a coach. But you you have to be paying attention. But yeah. I'd say those would probably be the big categories for how to get better at the sport. Okay, yeah. And what when you think um, some of the people that you've sought out as far as names-wise, like you mentioned strength, there's a buttload of people out there in strength. And, I, and I'm not trying to get you to tell me which one you think the best is. But when, when you started um, – your kind, your kind of path on on this knowledge, knowledge journey or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, who was one of the first people that you went to? Um, yeah. Well, I had a, um, I had strength coaches and stuff in my past, and college strength and conditioning professionals that taught taught me a lot of the basics in the beginning. Maybe not the basics of what you see now in the market in terms of like what good snatch technique is or what good clean technique were because it's largely driven by specificity and as a football player you you're the time you spend developing skills is for the skills of your sport so like doing power cleans even if they're sloppy is more about contractile force than it is about actually hitting and eliciting perfect maxes yeah which is why you see 300 pound guys hang power cleaning 400 with their butts tucked underneath their heels and yeah yeah. and every one of those guys would be it's fine yeah perfectly fine well i mean sometimes it could to an extent yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i just like they probably should be like at 80 in the 85th percentile of technique like where the lift becomes safe sometimes you see it and you're like oh my god i'm gonna throw up but But uh, I think you're seeing the strength conditioning community evolve in that direction. Um, so I got a lot of that stuff. I, I think most of most of the strength stuff is probably from literature from people that I've actually never spoke to, like triphasic periodization, super training, those like more dense, harder to consume uh, textbook styles of of understanding strength development. Russian translations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Charles Polakon was probably um, a big one. Uh, man about probably about like six to ten years ago that i i read everything that he put out yeah uh, i'm noticing your programming um the way you write uh has a lot to do with that and i think a lot of people don't understand don't realize a lot of the way a lot of coaches write kind of started out with him the whole a b b1 b2 all that kind of stuff almost like bullet point style or whatever yeah he's kind of as far as i know i could be wrong yeah i mean well that's where i got it for him that's where i got it from so i'm not sure if there was somebody that he got it from previously but as a as a uh as a framework for constructing writing designs it's so easy to follow and it's so easy to teach it's like all right yeah if there's an if there's a number next to the letter then you do those in a successive yeah Yeah. and if if there's not you just do it you do however reps however many sets at the tempo that's prescribed and then move on and then somebody's like what is this it's superset bro yeah it's It's a couplet shut up (laughs) yeah it's 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 again yeah it's all it's all the same shit right like we we uh we arbitrarily create the lines drawn in the sand to make sense of the chaos in the world Uh, but it's all quote it's all the same where's that where'd that come from Uh, maybe maybe somebody else but in my head yeah just came out i like that i like that we'll have to put that on a shirt (laughs) make a million dollars yeah just don't put my face on it (laughs) it's the next training thing yeah yeah um yeah cool so all right so yeah strength um when we said some of the other categories uh gymnastics 
who um who did you start going towards in in gymnastics when you started realizing like okay you know it's more important than just kipping if i'm going to be a good coach yeah um well that was actually a really difficult one um i have somebody uh that is uh he was a national champion gymnast that worked as a performer for Cirque du Soleil and is uh just retired from working for Dragon, which is, I, I think that's how you pronounce it, but a competitor. Uh, he's coming out and he's helping with our athlete camps that are designed for higher level CrossFit athletes. Um, so we're trying to create a systematic framework and understanding for how to develop gymnastics in a sports specific way. I don't look at gymnastics. I look at gymnastics as a strength training discipline. Uh, I don't not, think a lot of people do that. Well, like, even in the gym, it's like, why don't we have a strength today? What are you talking about? We're doing we're doing false grip, strict pull ups yeah. on the rings. That's strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I look at it not from I need to learn specifically from a gymnast, but I just happen to found, find him as a as a gymnast who I think can help me create the frameworks of understanding for me. I, I have I worked with Scotty Hagnes in the past, who was instrumental in helping me with my own gymnastics obviously like gymnastic bodies gold medal bodies uh, all of these things that are out in the public market i've purchased and watched and reviewed and and watch on a regular basis but again it's probably not my strongest discipline in terms of understanding but i understand it to a level that makes me more enough of more than an expert than i need to be for the sport and for the people that i coach and that's kind of how i think i need to be all the time yeah, it's like you're a strength conditioning programmer and coach so you don't have to be a specialist at these other things and i think that's important that, that you know your role in the in the grand scheme of things you know just like i tell people when i meet with them i you know i'm like look i'm not a physical therapist yeah i wanted to be one at one time and I probably know more about, you know, kinesiology than a lot of strength conditioning coaches, but, and, you know, I can put you through an FMS, but I'm not going to be as good as someone who's, that's what they do. Yeah. And typically what I do with my athletes is just the same thing as I know you've done. We've talked about, I do, I scratch the surface. And if I see something that I'm not sure what's going on with, I send them to someone else who can help them a lot better than I can. Yeah, for sure. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's important too. I think a lot of coaches have egos. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's ego or a, a, an overinflated self-concept, but insecurities. It, yeah. Well, even if you do have that, I feel like if you don't seek as, to surround yourself with as many people that are better than you in different disciplines, you stop getting better. So the more you isolate yourself as an autonomous figure, that's like, oh, I, I can do it all the worse you become over time. So I, I oftentimes refer athletes to people and then I'm disappointed with what has happened because I'm like, well, I think I potentially know more about like <laughs> how, how to get somebody better in this specific thing than the person that I paid as an expert did to do it. But I try all the time and I'm always about getting as many points of view as possible and integrating them. So I tell my athletes if they're at a distance and I know they need technical advice on their, you know, snatch and clean and jerk, I'll say find a local expert, go source a couple, send me some links, and then we'll go through the list and I'll send you to them. And then when I send them, I say, look, it's a non-structured program day. Go in, let them do what they do and ask them. For your sport, what should you be specifically working on? For your movement patterns, what do you specifically need to work on? What drills do you need to be integrating into your design? And I take all of those things and then have a discussion with my athlete and say, if I disagree, I'm just like, look, you know, 
I, I disagree with this path, but if you want to try it out to see what that person's, you know, how that person's path will play out in your body, then let's try it. If not, these are my recommendations and let's maybe find somebody else. And we just kind of go through that process over and over and over and over again. I see, I see a lot of similarities in the way that works and the way good CrossFit coaches work with the same way that um, good MMA coaches work in the sense that, you know, you have your boxing, you have your strength conditioning coach, you have all that. And in order for an athlete to be the best he possibly can, you have to have that communication. You almost, you need a head coach and that's what you're talking about being, um, you know, because you do understand that. And, and that kind of goes back to being open-minded and seeking out these other things because you, let's say you try out a coach for somebody and they come back and they look worse than they did before or you know it's not fixing the issue you're like well that guy's an asshole i don't need to deal with him anymore let's look somewhere else yeah but you at least tried yeah damn it yeah no for sure and i'm big on i think that uh that parallel to mma is really good but i think the problem with crossfit not not CrossFit, but the problem with people that are training to be Tell good. me what's wrong with CrossFit, Yeah, Max. yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> luck. Yeah, there's there's no way I could. Well, you have to define it first, right? I think that's a, again, that, that's Define the, CrossFit? Yeah, like are yeah. you talking about the organization, the sport, and and, and everyone's going to have an opinion. And opinions are like assholes. So yep. I, w- I would never, there's, there's no point in ever going down that rabbit hole. The, we should talk about what's right with CrossFit as, a, as opposed to going down the negative um, it, I like that. It, I like that. Well, just it, there's always it's almost like mindfulness. You have to remember um, mindfulness is really big now too, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Meditation is like, but you all. I do like the the quote. Um, um, it's the remember. There's always more right with you than there's wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No matter it's, how fucked up you are. Well, no, it's it's. I think that is really a consequence of the way our uh, marketing infrastructures are set up in order to position yourself as an expert or as somebody that matters you need to point out the flaws in in anybody else that's a competitor's system so that you can tell everybody else that they need you and i've always i I don't know if i necessarily refuse to go down that road but i'm always like look if if you want to determine whether i am better than somebody else or not Go hire that person, see what they do for you, and then come to me and then just make the comparison. And if you leave me, I'm going to ask you why you left, what I did wrong, and, and then, then I'm going to go talk to that person. And then I'm going to figure <laughs> out, yeah, I'm going to figure out how to contact that person to get better to make sure that never fucking happens again. And I think a lot of my success has been driven by that profound insecurity to never, ever come face-to-face with the fact that I might not be good enough, which is why I always try to be the best so that I never can be told I'm not good enough. You always try to be the best, but like you said, you also have to understand when you're not the best. Yeah. Because in order to be the best, you have to beat the best. Yeah, for sure. That's a Ric Flair comment. (laughs) It's wrestling. I'm talking about pro wrestling. Man, I thought I was going to make a whole podcast without talking about wrestling. I'm sorry, guys. Self-expression, man. That's (laughs) that's another big one, right? Self-awareness. Yeah, The self-awareness, mindfulness. So you're just self-aware. You love wrestling. I I know exactly what's going on. (laughs) I know that uh, Sunday night, Seth Rollins beat John Cena. Or no. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so I'm having some microphone troubles there. Yeah. 
So, so since we're talking about, um, since we're talking about coaching, we're talking about mindfulness and all this other kind of stuff. Are there, you, you are very, if people don't know, if anybody's knows you, they're listening to this podcast because they want to hear more about what you have to say. You're a very, um, I don't use the word holistic. Maybe that's almost like a, that's like a buzzword or something like that. But the way you tend to look at things, and I think people probably already have an idea about that just from listening to the podcast so far is different. Um, than a lot of people. And I don't want to, it's not spiritual or anything like that, but, but when someone listens to you talk, you have a very unique outlook. Have you, has that just always been a thing of yours? Like were your parents hippies or like, what's like, <laughs> no, where does I, that come from? I don't really know where it comes from. Uh, I, I think I'd never really fit in to a specific, um, box that society laid out right like and and most people want to fit themselves in box and so we're I, not talking about a crossfit box yeah no no okay. yeah uh lab, a label would a might label. be yeah, yeah. A specific label like i was a you know a really good athlete in high school in both sports but i was also a you know i didn't really fit in with the whole jock culture because i had different intellectual needs and uh even though i did well enough in school and then I went to college and did really well in college I always hated academia and I hated being told like you have to do this for your homework and most so, of so my- you're a, you're an intelligent stubborn athlete athlete I guess yeah, yeah yeah and so I think seeking my own my own self-expression and figuring out like why do I want to be a coach why do I want to get people better my own competitiveness the fact that I do want to beat everybody in everything but I also have humanity and understand that that's not going to dictate the success or failure of my life and my relationships and connections. And all of that just made me realize that there's more to life than whatever I'm stuck in at the time. And at the time, you know, like right now, it's educating coaches, putting together educational curriculum, writing blogs, doing all this shit. But that's not really in 10 or 15 years, I'm probably going to look back on this and just think that it was a step in the path to be where I was then. So I try to deal with my athletes in that same way and also communicate to them the cost of doing business when they, you know, I want to be a CrossFit Games athlete. It's like, all right, well, we don't really have any research to understand like what that type of contraction volume, that eccentric damage, that level of competition, that level of neural stress plus metabolic stress plus all this stuff does long term. But my guess is this, this, and this will happen. So if we start to get these symptoms, we should probably tailor your design back and maybe just say that you shouldn't be an elite athlete in the sport because you don't have the genetic framework to deal with it if there's other people out there that can do it. So I've always kind of taken this or have had this belief that people come out of the womb designed to do certain things. And some people are extremely physically gifted and can tolerate high levels of workload and have good tissue tolerance and good 10 length. And like those will be the people that stand on the tops of podiums in this sport. But just because you don't have that doesn't mean you can't get as good as you possibly can in this sport and leverage it into being a coach, helping our obese population, helping other people still love themselves in spite of being failures in their, against their own, uh, their own expectations or their own, uh, I, I don't know, ju- judgments or classifications of what success are. So I think just my my life has taught that. I heard a quote that said, uh, if you live long enough, life will teach you how to live. And I've kind of think that that is really true for me. I've struggled a really long time with 
you know, depression, anxiety, all this shit. And I'm, I've always wanted to win at everything I do. And I think striving for it, taking action, trying to be the best in the world in different things, learning at a really aggressive rate, consulting with people, having my ego check, stepping into circumstances that force me to fail. So it's really my experience that made that. I don't think it's me that's like, quote unquote, special that that developed that. I think it's just that I've lived my life in a way that has allowed that to develop. Yeah, your circumstances have, have made you who you are, which is, which is largely, I think, just that's universal. That yeah. happens to everyone, obviously, yeah. right? I really like that quote, too, and it reminds me of probably my favorite, and I've said it on the podcast probably a couple of times, but it's by Robert Anton Wilson, who you may be familiar with, right, or whatever. He's kind of a conspiracy theorist. Right? <laughs> Interesting. So he wrote Showing like, your cards. Yeah, right, yeah. He, he wrote, like, uh, the Illuminati, like, stuff like that. But anyways, but the quote is, um, there are some jokes a man cannot understand until he's been a fool many, many years and thought himself finally cured only to find out he's just become a different kind of fool. Mm. And like that journey that you're talking about, you know, you know, thinking that, you know, you're living, you're living, you're living. It's just, it's just, it is that constant journey and you just have to become, you really don't even have a choice. Maybe that's a whole different, you know, conversation, but you're going to become who you become. And like you said, I I like when you said, you know, 15 years from now, I'm probably not going to look at what I'm doing now as, as actually what I was maybe what I was meant to do or whatever you're going to look at as a stepping stone into wherever you're at then. And then maybe 15 years later, well, you'll be an old man then. Yeah. So <laughs> 15 years later, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. So I was just supposed to sit on this porch and drink coffee all yeah. my whole life. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny, but I think the process of, uh, the process of living if you want to grow as a human being like expand your self-concept find new relationships build your business whatever uh if you want to do that it's going to be painful and i think the the common trend in in the famous architecture of people that are out there whether they be famous coaches famous business experts whatever whatever field it is is that there's no grind to get it. They talk about how much they're having fun now, but they don't really talk about the nights that they had to stay up late at night and worry about how the fuck they were going to pay their bills the next day because they're investing in their businesses or the fact that they're worried that their checks are going to bounce or that they can't hire the people they need. Or well, When it, you get to where you want to be, you've got rose-colored glasses for the past. Yeah, and I, I don't think I'll ever let go of the... Struggles. The struggles that I've had, they've they've kind of defined me, and I'm kind of always in one. Even now, I'm I'm struggling to try to create and understand the human psyche in a way to optimize performance on game day in athletes that I know have a greater capacity in a training environment than a testing environment. And most people will just say, oh, yeah, well, put them in competitions, like let them learn how to compete. And like, yeah, well, you could do that. But then what happens if they're going to compete against their competition and they lose and you destroy their self-confidence and then they start to get a negative skew about the sport and you put them into early retirement because you didn't preemptively think. So I've learned about sports psychology and consulted with sports psychologists but you understand that like the mind is an unsolvable problem so this is a massive struggle for me and it's something that keeps me up at night that i probably read you know a book every week or every other week on trying to understand how to create the right environments to breed that and you know that's just another struggle that will create growth but Sorry, man. No, no, go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, growth is painful. Like, even as a child, when you you grow and you get growing pain,
pains. Yeah. It's it's a word to describe growth and growth in training is necessary to have pain in there, right? You have to be, if you're trying to get your breathing better, then you got to breathe really fucking hard in your training to improve your breathing down the road. I mean, yes, you can do submaximal work to support your training, but um, you, you will need to lift heavy weights to get stronger and heavy weights will create compressive forces that your brain doesn't like before it's prepared for them. So like, I'm all I'm all about the struggle. Like yeah. tell people to get into the shit, work really hard, grow, get better, and then that's kind of what drives success and progress long term. Stop telling people it's fucking easy, I, just I, so you can yeah. sell them something. Yeah, well, it bothers I, you me. Know, that that panacea of of like, hey, if you do this one thing for five minutes a day, you'll be the best at what you do. And I know, I mean, I think at this point, most people, they, they hear it so much in like whatever source of information that they're getting it from. They hear that, you know, hard work pays off and all this other stuff. There's plenty of hashtags for yeah. that motivation shit. But yeah. at the end of the day, most people still want to, they're, they're still searching for this answer. Yeah. And maybe, you know, that's just, that's life and that's just humans in general or whatever. Yeah. But I want to talk about about what you're talking about with with the mind and I want to get your opinion on it because you say this is something that you're delving into right now do you think that people's mindset and that that kind of um I don't want to say like killer instinct but that's the only thing I can come up with you know the difference in the way people look at and operate on game day do you think that you know that stuff is preloaded or do you really mm-hmm. think that there's things that you can do on an you know on a you know extrinsic level yeah. you know to to help that and and have you seen anything if if you think there is that in, in your practice yeah well i i think probably the audience is going to be pissed off because my answer is both and it depends uh i, <laughs> I love that it yeah, yeah i think that everybody is born with things inside them that will dictate how they respond to the external stimuli of the world i think that people's biology DNA will express in certain ways, but I do think to a certain yeah extent. to a certain extent, and I think you can only change it to a certain extent, right? If you're wiring, but that, but that makes sense because you can only get so much aerobic capacity. You yeah. can only get so strong. So yeah. it is to a certain extent, and yeah. I think you, I've heard you talk about it a lot too. Like that that potential, your absolute potential. Yeah. What does it take to get to a hundred percent of your absolute potential? Maybe someone's one hundred percent potential is higher than other persons, but maybe. Maybe that person that's lower is operating at a higher percentage of that. So yeah. how much of that can you realize? So it, is there anything that you've done that, that you've seen that's helped? Yeah. Um, well, first, dealing with experts in that field. I think if you have if you have problems, A, with just your own psychology or your own ability to get better on game day or your ability to stay motivated, you should work with the psychologist. I mean, there are good ones and there are bad ones, just like there are good trainers and like bad laying trainers. laying down on the leather couch the whole thing? Well, yeah. I mean, or you could just have a Skype discussion with somebody at a distance or, yeah. or have a mentor that has helped and coached other people through those similar problems. Like, I don't think we have to label it, but you should have somebody that's at least allowing you to ask the questions of yourself in a way that will statistically increase your likelihood of getting better at it. And I think that, you know, some people 
will seem like they have quote unquote bad genetics in something, right? Like they perform really, really, really badly on game day and the anxiety kills them and yada, yada, yada. And no one ever believes in them. And then all of a sudden they have this triumphant journey that brings them to the top of the mountain and they're like, oh, it was all about hard work and yada. And, but really their, their genetic potential was it really It makes for high. good summer blockbusters. Yeah, for that. sure. Yeah. But I think even, even that level of adaptive capacity is some some part nature, some part nurture. There's just like it, all of it is is too chaotic to classify. Yeah. So, do you think you mentioned go see a professional and stuff like that? You didn't mention any literature. Do you think that human contact is is more important than like saying getting a self help audio book or you know how much importance does that have of actually working with someone and being face to face or yeah well so i've done both i mean i've i've read pretty much every quote unquote self help thing that i could get my hands on probably from the time i was like 17 into my early 20s and then have had therapy and consults and uh just i've i've always wanted to learn more about myself and more about other people and as a coach i think it's necessary to a have self-awareness and b have an understanding of people and humanity and it wasn't something i was naturally gifted in i was naturally gifted in math and analysis and reading and 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 communication but not necessarily understanding the inner workings of somebody else's mind uh, and maybe no one has that from a genetic standpoint, but I think that the danger of doing your self-help work by yourself, by yourself. <laughs> is that you can, uh, you can, we can very easily brainwash ourselves and believe the things that we're telling ourselves if we don't have a alternative viewpoint to be like, eh, you know, that sounds a little bit crazy. Yeah, you sound a little bit sociopathic. It's if, really easy to extrapolate whatever the hell you want to when there's no actual definitive answer. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, you read a book and you don't have a really good understanding of uh, of grammar rules, punctuation, what words actual meaning is. That's me. Yeah, well, that's how I am too. <laughs> and so you read things and you kind of chunk to chunk in the meaning. You're like, oh, I didn't really fully understand that, but I think I got it. But Comma, if, Commas are important. Yeah. And in order, it's like, what, what, what is that thing? It's like, stop. Um, or yeah, stop, no, don't, or whatever. And it's like, no, don't stop. Oh, Just yeah. that order is yeah, two yeah. completely different things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think if you are, you know, a lot of people that are doing their self-help stuff are not like super educated on how to extract meaning out of words in writing. So they're extracting their own meaning. They're hearing what they want to hear. And that can be a really, really dangerous thing without at least having some alternative external guidance. Somebody that can say, oh, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting that you read it that way. Have you thought about it this way? Could this help you potentially? And I think that process is really helpful. Whereas if you're just reading yourself, you very rarely do people ask themselves questions because who answers that question? If you yeah. go into your head and you ask yourself a question, who's answering and who's asking? The other four voices. Yeah, yeah which makes you a schizophrenic, <laughs> which is what I definitely am. <laughs> we, I've always said it's okay to have a it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. it's okay to say, "Man, it's hot outside today." <laughs> it's not okay to say, "Man, it's hot outside today." No, it's not. It's freezing cold. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a good two point. completely different people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, so that's cool. So yes, um, you know, self help books and stuff like that, and c- can be good to get you mentally ready. There are some books out there. Uh, there's one that I read specifically, and I know a lot of coaches have their athletes read, and I try to. Is I think it's Jim Lure, uh, and it's um, the um, the only way to succeed. I think is the name of it. It's a good way of. Um, well, you already do it. Rather, if you've heard of it or not, you already do it. But it's it's just talking about goals, but more specifically talking about the why behind your goals. Mm. You know, and I know you talk to your athletes about you know what are your goals, why are they your goals? Let's make them something that's important to you instead of just something that you feel is supposed to be important because of um, you know extrinsic reasons or yeah. whatever, like the world feeling it's supposed to be. Like the difference between someone wanting to go to the CrossFit Games because they feel like they need to because it'll make their gym do better or yeah. it'll make their you know their friends excited about them or someone who has this deep seated need to compete and succeed yeah. or to compete and succeed. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's one of them, but like you said, it's, it's the, what you extrapolate from those things can be good, but can also be bad. And I think having someone help you with that journey is important. So yeah, yeah maybe, maybe a psychologist, uh, isn't just to find out that you hate your dad, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, I think people a lot of times are, they're, they're scared to evaluate their own behaviors, their actions, their own thoughts to, because Oftentimes, if you challenge things enough about yourself and about what you're doing, you might be forced to make a change. And and most people don't like change. So if you're, you know, I want to compete because I am just inherently competitive. And that's your baseline motivation for getting up every day, training three times a day, weighing and measuring all your food, doing the things that you've been doing for the last three or four years. You have these projections into the future about what it's going to feel like when you stand on top of the podium. And then somebody comes along and makes you question whether or not that premise was true or not. It's frightening to be like, holy shit. You just shattered my world. Yeah, but I think it's... Uh, to me, it's always been liberating. It's like, wow, now I can actually do what I really love and do it for reasons that are going to last me for the rest of my life. And and the uh, deathbed question: If yeah. you were on your deathbed, what what was the thing that was most important to you? Was going to the CrossFit Games? Was that what you're most proud of, or yeah. was it something that was at family or you yeah. know or whatever? Or it, it might be. I mean, it depends. Like yeah, maybe you it could is. you could leverage the CrossFit Games into having visibility and helping millions of people and and recontexting what we think. Fitness but you have and, to ask yourself that question. Yeah, but the question is necessary, is and the, and the answer being authentically driven from yourself is is really important. I think a lot of people let those answers come from whatever the um, societal mass is saying. Right? Yeah, that's like, why I said that's extrinsic goals as opposed to intrinsic goals. Yeah, yeah. And I think you have to be open to understanding. Like, if you want to be an expert, so if you know you want to be, let's say, a CrossFit Games champion, and you start when you're 15. You probably tell don't. us exactly how to do it. For yeah, 15, yeah, right? yeah, down yeah. to sets and reps and percentages. Yeah, yeah. I want to know that. I'll write right the, now. Well, actually, I'm creating a periodization model to try to <laughs> theorize how to do that, and then from 15, and then hope like that I ideal? then I hope that I manifest that and actually find that 15 year old to hope put that into a 15 that. 15 year old wrestler comes to you yeah. who just happens to squat <laughs> double body weight already, and then you're set. yeah, and then that's the end of it. Yeah, uh, no, but if you do. Like you start out your first quest, it's it's never really driven from this the same place that it's going to be driven at ten years later, right? At first, it might be because 
you know, you're hitting puberty and you're going and you're getting these testosterone surges and you want to be higher in the dominance hierarchy because you want to get girls. And then four or I mean, five. That's, that's a pretty intrinsic goal. Yeah. Right? But the, the desire of procreation, it yeah. doesn't get much more, you know, feral than yeah, that. But right? four or five years later, maybe you have a girlfriend that you've been with for a couple years. You're now you understand the world a little bit better because you're not living on your own. You're in college. You're meeting new people. You're doing all these things. If she you're, bumps you for some long-haired <laughs> yeah, musician. Yeah. Uh, and if you're 19 at that point and you want to keep your quest to become a games athlete or a games champion at 25, your why at that point has to support you making all the same behaviors that you were doing before that were on your path. And if your why changes and you're like, uh, I don't really want to suffer anymore because I want more time to spend in books and yada, yada, yada. All that means is you're no longer going to be likely to be on that path to be the best. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that. It's just in order for people to become experts, their whys have to evolve over time to constantly support the same end goal. So, yeah. So you think the why will and can change? I think it has to. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think it has to. unless person. Well, I do think there are people that are just kind of simple, like they have simple needs and Mm -hmm. You know, maybe for those people, they can go like 10 years without any real radical changes in their beliefs and psychology basic. and experience. Basic. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't like, want to, hey, I don't want it to make, sound detriment, like, uh, derogatory. I no, think that they're not, just I, I like people. hot wings and wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool. You, you give me wrestling and hot wings and maybe every now and then a beer and I'm fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think there are people that their why doesn't ever have to change. But I think for most people, you know, you grow up. But but from the time you're 18, everything is handed to you. What you need to learn, what you need to do, like your entire days are structured. And so if you're going to try to be a high-level athlete, a lot of your athletic development happens before you're ever asking who you are, like what's really operating your, your internal desires. Then there's that time where you're like, Bam, you're on your fucking own in the world. And you all the rules are different now. You get to make your own decisions. You get to vote on how you want to change the world. And you have, you know, at that point, the likelihood that somebody's why is going to stay the same after that shift. Or the another big one for a lot of athletes is having a kid. So it's like, man, everything was about me, 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 or me and my relationship. And then Bam, you have a kid and your entire world view shifts and you're like, holy shit, there's more to it than this. Now, Almost everybody says that too. Yeah. And I mean, so if you don't have a kid and you don't think that's true, wait, have a kid yeah. and see. I can tell you from personal experience. Um, and But that keeps coming back to that constant change, that different kind of fool. Yeah. You know, is, you know it's, it's like, well, it's almost, it's like, man, I look back when I was 15, I was an idiot. I didn't know anything, <laughs> but I'm 18 now and I know everything. Yeah. And then you look back when you're 21. Man, I was an idiot at 18, but I'm 21 yeah, now yeah. and I know everything. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's always going to change. It totally makes sense. I think what where the, 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 the common thing that you see, though, is that whatever that why is, it has to be important enough to you at that time to keep making that decision, that simple decision. You hear a lot of people talk about it. If you, if you want to be the best at what you do to get to your goal, the quickest way is to ask yourself with every single thing that you do, is that going to help me get to my goal or not? If it does say yes, if it doesn't, then say no. Yeah. And if, if your goal or your why is important enough to keep saying yes to the yeses and no to the no's, then you're going to be better off. Yeah. I think you have to con well, CrossFit's kind of interesting right now because it's so new so there's a lot of people that can have quote unquote balance and be world class 
But I think at some point, and it, it's going to depend on how much money gets into the sport and how big the infrastructure gets and how many competitors there really are. It's very hard to become a world-class expert in a singular discipline and have any balance because you have to make sacrifices, right? Like You have to make sacrifices in other aspects of your life. A- athletes will tell you this all the time. You have to probably make sacrifices in your high-end endurance to develop world-class levels of strength Absolutely. and vice versa. But in in this sport, you might not be making any physical sacrifices across the disciplines, but if you're spending 10 t- social, t- exactly. So this, so actually this is, you have a very unique outlook on this and the way that you talk to people when you first, when you first take them on as a client. And again, you've, you've trained, you know, a lot of high level athletes. And I know that you do this with all of them. And I don't know if this is a commonality in the success that they have because of it, or if it's just the fact that a lot of really high level athletes come to you because you're such a good coach and, and such a well-known coach um, is you, know, you talk to them. So, so go through like your intro process when you're, when you're speaking to an athlete and the, the way you kind of break up, it's like, okay, what are your goals? And then you tell them, okay, these are your goals. This could be possible if you're willing to do this, 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 and this. And maybe it's, you know, quit your job and just do this and, and take drugs and whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it, Talk about that for a second. And how, and yeah, well, I think really at a basic level, what I'm doing is trying to figure out how their past experiences um, led them to be the person that they are. And I don't mean that in an esoteric way. I mean, even just in training, like, did they spend a lot of time running distance that would potentially increase their cardiac capacity, their mitochondrial density, their capillarization, and they're more on the aerobic end of the continuum? Or did they spend 10 years as a football player where they're spending time in this time frame, in this time domain, doing these types of exercises? If they say they're quote unquote doing CrossFit, I ask them, what's that? What, what does that mean to you? So are you doing five by five back squat? If you're doing five by five back squat, how heavy is the first set when you're first doing it versus the fifth set so that you can get an idea of their aggregate strength training load in a typical design. So I'm first, I'm trying to figure out them as an athlete. And then I ask them about their, their goals, their background, what they want to do, why they want to do it. And I try to get a feel for who they are as a human being and make sure that their behaviors are supporting their goals. And that's really, as a coach, all you can do. You can't guarantee progress. You can't say, oh, I, you know, I have the methods to put people on the CrossFit Games podium. If you do that to me, uh, you're either marketing or you're a charlatan and don't understand how complicated it is and the genetics that are required and the past training background that's required and the intrinsic motivation that the athlete has to have and the environment that they're supported in. That There's so many variables that are going to dictate high levels of success. But as coaches, we can dictate statistics. We can make them statistically more likely to succeed, put them on podiums more frequently, have lower injury rates. But the only way you do that is to make sure behaviors are supporting their goals. So I try to make sure that if they're not, if they don't have behaviors that support their goals, that I'm fixing their behavior on the front end. Yeah. So that might be sleep, nutrition, training, warm-up, cool-down, movement, mobility, approach to training, technical execution of lifts, movements, etc. And when people start to hear about what's required and how much time goes in, some of them are like, I can't, I can't do that. And I've had plenty of people 
come on board. And then at like prior to testing even com- being completed, they're like, uh, I'm changing my goal. And so that goes one of two ways. They go off and they go back to a blog and do their own thing and just have fun. Or it creates a a wonderful environment to them for them to thrive as an athlete because instead of then trying to turn that athlete into a games athlete we're just like hey you know what we're going to make you as good as you possibly can but because you only have four hours a day versus nine hours a day we're going to prioritize this 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 and this and this is what you're going to focus on because you got to make sacrifices in those you other- make them understand though that this isn't the best solution but it's the best solution for you yeah and to get to where you're at and that's what uh, perfect training can only be taught. So in my courses, I teach what perfect training theory looks like. What is a threshold session? What's it designed for? How? What movements can you put in it? What loads can you put in it? But in the real world, it's all about getting as close to perfect as you possibly can, knowing that there are going to be some sacrifices because of scheduling, people, emotions. Like, we're not robots. So... Uh, I try to just make sure that in that initial process, I'm making them understand what's required and what they need to do and also make make myself understand about them as a person. Like, do they just talk a big game or are they actually going to step up to the plate? And I, at this point, I'm lucky enough to pick who I coach and how many people I coach. And I want people that... I don't even care. I I love talent and I love watching talent, but I don't even care if they're the most talented. I want the most self-aware and the most disciplined. So if I say to somebody, hey, can you do this for two hours a day? And they say yes, that's going to get done because that compliance is what's going to turn that athlete into a machine. It's really so. Yeah. So your your background check, I'll call it, and and your behavioral assessment is really more of a weeding out process, and you knowing like, okay, is this person going to work well for me? It's a horrible sales tactic. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But, but like you said, you're at yeah. the point now to where I mean, you don't you don't need thousands of clients for yeah. what you do. That's not what you do. Yeah. You're not you're not um, someone who's trying to grow your. I mean, you're trying to grow yeah. your business, yeah. obviously, but you're trying to work with the people that you want to work with because that you know that it takes a certain kind of person to get to to certain goals. Yeah. Well, and the if, the funny thing though is everybody always tells me that, right? Like, man, you're too brash. You tell people the truth truth too much. You shouldn't do that. It's never going to be successful in how business. How dare you not lie to the clients? Well, my business has grown 100% year over year for two and a half years. So, I think getting people results does and being honest with them because I have probably 80% of my business is just regular people. But they get really good with a minimal time investment because we make sure they do the right things as opposed to letting their training be dictated by what's quote unquote fun or emotionally valuable to them. We make sure they know, hey, you want to get good at this. You only have two hours a day. This is what you got to work on. It's not going to be fun, but you know what is going to be fun? Getting the thing you want to have. So it's like we teach people about delayed gratification. It's like investing money. Like you tell people like, hey, you put your money in here today and you don't get to play with it. You don't get to buy your toys and your shoes and all this shit. But down the road, then you get more of it. Yeah, it's, it's the old self-help. And I actually tell people this um, quite a bit. It's the, you know, telling yourself that simple little line of, you know, my commitment to my goals are stronger than my feelings right now. 
Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a great quote. I mean, it, it's so true in training too. And I think people are scared like, oh, I'm not worth a high level coach. High level coaching or one on one coaching is too scary or I train with my friends and, and that's fine. But at some point, everybody gets to the point where they realize that in order for them to have a fulfilling life, even to be good parents, to be good friends, they got to be happy and i don't mean happy in like the euphoric i smile at everything but i mean like you wake up and tell the, happy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just mean like you feel good about what you do and what you've accomplished and what you're working on you're deeply involved in a quest and that i think can happen at the world class level and it can happen at the you know 60 year old uh empty nester mother who's just getting into fitness who sacrificed their own self-expression in this world to 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 take care of take their care of their, take care of their family and they have the same type of investment in their quest it just looks so different right for travis it might be eight hours of training and me pushing him so hard on his aerobic power days that he throws up and and like go, goes to the verge of tears and for that woman it might be like hey you know what you you should get some sun you should go put a you know a loaded pack on and go for a 90 minute hike outdoors with your family and your dog and that's the same type of investment for those two people it just looks different so i want to ask you you mentioned that and it made me think and, and i don't want to brand you in the wrong way or anything so so tell me if i'm wrong here yeah. but you have um you have a, a very a, a very different and some of the things that you put in there and i know it changes as you go on and yeah. you evolve as a coach or whatever but some of the things that i've seen you do and I've talked to travis or whatever is um like you'll say things like this and this it won't be like do sets of this this and this um it'll be like do this and if you don't throw up do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh well i don't i wouldn't go? i wouldn't say throw up uh, generally <laughs> i would tell somebody to stop their session if they threw up but yeah. um yeah i do especially because the sport's evolving right so we don't know exactly in in another sport i can go through like in the nfl and i can measure like okay this guy wants to be a fullback so i could watch a game or i could go online and pull the statistics up how how many plays does a fullback play how long are their plays how big do they have to be what do their lifts need to be and i can get an accurate understanding of what that athlete's needs are this sport changes year after year after year and because it's getting bigger and more profound, the tests are getting harder and more complex and have more contraction. So I can't even say this is a accurate level of contraction load that needs to be hit in a training environment to make sure that they can test safely. But I do believe in proper training principles where people aren't constantly, if you have a barrier to what you can adapt to, I think most people in the general fitness market or in the in a typical like uh, functional fitness environment will train like a hundred percent higher to what that adaptive barrier is. And they just slam their heads into the wall over and over and over and over again. And that creates adaptation for a short period of time. Well, the organism is either going to adapt or die. Yeah. And, right? and I know a lot of weightlifting coaches have that outlook and that view um, which is fine if you have a large pool of people to pull from, and if you break someone, then that's okay. Or a lot of synthetics. Yeah, that too. Yeah, and yeah. we can we can get into that if we want to. Um, I mean, I know the whole steroids <laughs> thing and, and strength conditioning has been way overdone. So, but I know you have kind of a, a unique outlook on it. But um, so you're saying that you don't prescribe to the the organism will will adapt or die situation you you don't want that to happen i want them to get the minimum effective dose to adapt 
over and over and over again for years so that they have adapted for years, which makes their adaptive capacity way, way, way bigger. If my end goal is to just beat the shit out of people, I don't need to bring them in a gym. I'll bring them to an MMA facility and get their best fighter and put a headgear on and be like, hey, can you kick this guy in the head a hundred (laughs) times? I'm not trying to train pain tolerance. I'm trying to train to make sure that this person can handle 250 chest-to-bar pull-ups in a 30-minute session without getting extreme soreness, any injuries, that their tendons don't get in, in inflammation. But you can't build that over a three-month period. I can't just put you on a blog that has that type of volume and be like, oh, okay, sure, just adapt. First, I have to make sure that the shoulder girdle functions in the appropriate way and that all of the stabilization musculature and straight arm strength and bent arm strength in normal in in a normal unload unloaded environment works properly then slowly build strict volume then slowly build kipping volume then build kipping volume higher then build kipping volume under fatigue where grip is tired and it's paired with snatches and paired with kettlebell swings and task tax specific musculature then do it under high levels of respiratory fatigue so row 1k at 90 percent of your 1k pr then 50 chest to bar pull-ups as fast as possible rest to recovery do that three times and we build that but it has to be done over the course of years people think that it can just be done or that because I'm working with Travis, they can get on Travis's program. But three and a half years ago, Travis's program looked like a a soccer mom because I know I was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I did one of his first testers with him or whatever when he came in. It was a bunch of handstand stuff. Yeah. Just see, or you sucked at a handstand push up. Yeah. And he was doing half kneeling single arm presses and pal off presses and shoulder mobility drills. But all of that stuff laid the foundation for a guy that doesn't have a lot of upper body lean mass. He's not naturally adaptive in his upper half. He doesn't have naturally great overhead mechanics, but now he can do 35 unbroken strict handstand push-ups and that all of that was from the hard boring work that he did over the course of the last three and a half years so that sometimes isn't sexy and saleable but i to me winning is yeah and so i'm like all right well let's make you win it might suck while you're doing it now but when you get out on game day and you feel confident in your preparation it's gonna feel pretty good so that, that yeah, that is the number one thing that we see probably in CrossFit um, for these competitors: the people that have the lack of actual time under tension and just spent experience doing this that want to get big and or want to get big in the sport. Yeah. And like we we've talked in the past about um, the development of prior athletes into crossfitters and how we see you know the the mass mass public sees these people kind of rise to stardom extremely fast seemingly yeah extremely extremely fast um and so they think man what is going on what is that and, it, and you know it's and obviously the the rise to stardom is sensationalized so it's it's even more so yeah um but so what what would you say is the is the the most I don't want to say frustrating, but that's again, that's the only word I can really think of. What is the most frustrating thing to you about that? Like you have, I know you say you have yeah. clients come to you. It's not frustrating to me. It's more sad. Um, it's same way in like in the body composition world, right? Like we have these people that are famous for the way they look and look, the fitness industry, I mean, not in maybe not as much in CrossFit or as much in sports performance, but almost every single 
um, fitness model out there is using something, right? Like they might, it might be T3, it might be clenbuterol, it might be testosterone. But if you take synthetics, it changes the, how, how you adapt. They also have years and years and years of bodybuilding experience. Also, which you, you innocent children out there who don't know what any of these things mean. Um, <laughs> we're talking about performance enhancement drugs, yep. also known as steroids. <laughs> um, so yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. So then you, they go up and they take a picture of themselves online and they sell the promise that you can be like this. And here's my nutrition plan. But all the other stuff that was required needed to be done. So you need all the genetics, all the years of previous stuff, all the synthetics that were taken and all of that over the course of 10 years is what created that physique. But they're giving you this, the sexy quotes out of the book, but they're not letting you read the entire book. Yeah. And that is sad because there are people out there that genuinely want those end goals. But if you told them what was really required of those end goals, they probably wouldn't want them. They'd you, be like, "Oh, do you oh, tell your athletes that?" Oh, in, in that thing, it's like you for, know, like yeah. straight up with them, like, "Hey, if you want to do that, you need to take steroids." Oh no, no, no! I don't, I, I don't advocate one way or the other. If people decide to do it, it's their well, choice. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're not telling them to. You're just saying like you understand that this is part of that. If you want to be an IFBB pro, like, um. Yes, you're going to have to take it. Now, yeah. I'm not going to advocate it. I'm not going to buy yeah, it yeah, for yeah. them. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I mean, and there's plenty of people out there that are famous or ex-pros that are will tell you everybody is taking it. You almost can't develop a physique like that without it. But um, I think the bigger issue is just the promise that you can – you know, you can just wing it and be there in two years. The people that are at the top that have been at the top for a long period of time have been working on this for a long time. I mean, Jason Kalipa has been in this for like 10 years and his volume has probably progressively increased to support the demands of the sport, but at a relatively linear rate. I, he wasn't doing the total amount of strength work and contraction volume and gymnastics work and endurance work 10 years ago that he's doing today. So if you look at that and you plot his just work on a curve, it's progressed over time. And what most people want to do is take where he's got at the pinnacle of his of the end of his journey and mimic it. And I'm like, you know why he looks happy and fulfilled and has a family and a business and all that shit? Because he went through his struggle and his journey. So let's sell that. It all comes back to the struggle. Yeah, man. Sell the struggle. Sell the grind. Yeah. Embrace the grind. Yeah, but I know that that's a smaller segment of the population, and I know that's why my business is niche, but it's growing, and my community is fucking awesome. But I'm, the people that have the capability of doing that is a smaller portion of the public. Not everyone is going to be able to do that. No, just, I, I would disagree. I think that not everyone is going to do it to the games level, but I think everybody can grind in their own way. Yeah, so, so that, everybody doesn't have it in them to be a Mr. Olympia. Yeah, but Everyone some and it doesn't has it in it to be on the podium. At the yeah, so the, the let's say the the mother of three that I coach in Ohio that owns a business and does her own thing. Her grinding is waking up every day, weighing and yeah, weighing and measuring her food, having some time and some experience to just eat what she wants and enjoy food guilt free because she looks better and feels better than she used to feel, and train for ninety minutes a day intelligently. Four or five days a week, go for some runs outside, but that's a grind for her, right? Like yeah, but, it's still. But it's, her goal is the same as the other people's goals on the podium. It's it's higher quality of life. 
Yeah, or right. it's a, attainment of potential. But yeah. potentials defined differently, right? Like Travis is measuring his potential as to whether or not he goes to the CrossFit Games and gets on the scene and gets on the podium. But somebody else that's grinding is like, well, what I perceive as potential is my kids being happy, my business's bottom line increasing, looking in the mirror and feeling better about who I am, getting on the scale and not having an emotional attachment to what it is, being stronger, these seven gymnastics moves. But still, in order to get that specific with your goals, you still got to grind. It's just that the grind isn't as physical, right? Like. For Travis, it's got to suck training eight hours a day and doing technical work and constantly sending your videos to your coach and him being like, all right, this is where you could get better. This is where you could get better. This pacing was off. Your breathing rate. rate you say there. it's got to suck, but do you really think he sees it as sucks at that level or he's I so think, ingrained well, in that he actually loves it? He has the passion. Well, yeah, that's oh, what a good play on words that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for him and you know for Will Morad um, – and Ryan Hignall uh, and ev- every one of my athletes, I'd say who's in the top 100 of a regional even, mm-hmm. they they do love it. But th- if they pay attention to the media too much, sometimes they can get affected by thinking that they don't have to be working like that. They don't ha- They can just be throwing down with their friends, going on vacations, traveling, because sometimes the media can make it look like this, the, like you can live the glamour famous life and still be a world-class athlete. But I think that's only true because the sport is new and there's a very small subset of the, uh, that next category of elite. So there's like the elite, then there's the sub elite who can still make it to the games, but can never really finish in the top 20. They're just going to get there and and be there. But eventually it's going to be like the PGA tour that like, you know, 20 guys in any, any given tournament can show up and win. Right. So everybody that shows up in the CrossFit games, it's like that now almost. Yeah. Just not at the games level and probably not as much at the female level because there aren't as many, high-level females in the sport yet. But, but as you think, it, at least at the regional level now, especially because of the super... For sure. Regions. Now at the regional level, I'd say there's probably like 10 people at every region that can take those five spots. But I don't think outside of that 10, you know, I don't think that there's enough talent. I don't think there's 40 people that can show up and and compete with a Ben Smith, right? Like, I just don't think that the sport's big enough yet. It's It doesn't have... It doesn't have youth programs that have 50 people in every single county training specifically to get better at it. There's not million-dollar prizes. The 50th best athlete in the sport can't make a living doing it. So it's really hard to try to assume that you're going to have that level of talent. I think what you're going to see in this sport like five years from now is going to be insane. We're going to look back. Similarly, if you take Rich Froning now and you measure him compared to his 2010 self or, you know, Ben Smith. God, those guys weren't fit at all. (laughs) They're really fit now. Yeah. And and back then, everyone was like, oh, man, look what they can do. Holy shit. They can lift this. They can run this. And now they're like, oh, yeah, that's my warm up. Like I do that seven times in a row on one minute rest. 2009, the the one rep max max snatch was like 215 pounds, I think, for the guys. And now the people are doing 30 for time at 225. Like it's just that level of progress will continue to happen 
over and over and over again for the next decades if the sport continues to evolve and money comes in. Now, not to get completely into the subject of steroids, we touched on it a little bit, but do you think we know there are people at the games that both take and don't take it? Yep. You know, it, not everyone at the games are taking it, but absolutely there are people that are taking some type of performance enhancing drug, or rather be blood doping, test, yeah. whatever, right? Um, so do you think the amount of people that are taking it at the games are going to grow as the sport gets gr- bigger because just the level of volume and stuff and things that they have to do to get there is going to continue to increase? Do you think it's going to become more rampant or do you think they're going to um, get almost, and again, here's another ref- wrestling <laughs> reference, but you know, it's going to get really demonized to some point like America loves to do about performance enhancing drugs and they're going to have to actually crack down and really start doing it and then you'll see this this decline in what people do a lot like American weightlifting happened in the eighties after USADA came about. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I wrote a blog on this like two weeks ago where I said, let's stop talking about it, but I'm going to answer this question, but oh, forgive me. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Forgive well, me. That's for actually being... one of the reasons why I said, let's not go into the whole yeah, steroids yeah, thing, yeah. but I want to touch on it. Yeah. A little so bit. forgive me for being a hypocrite. I'm just answering his question. <laughs> it's my uh, fault. Yeah, guys. yeah. Um, well, first of all, yes, I think anytime you increase the, the reward for anything, the more competitive people that get into it, the more likely they're going to they're gonna do whatever is required to get it. If you told, you know, somebody that they give a billion dollars to kill 15 small children, there would be crazy people out there that would pull the trigger on them for that money because the reward's big enough. So if you tell somebody, hey, you got to stick this needle in your butt and you're going to get a mil- you're going to be much more likely to win a million dollars. There's going to be genetically gifted people with really hard work ethic that are willing to do well, it. It doesn't matter how who you are. At some level, you start to start at least asking questions. You're like, well, are the kids bad kids? <laughs> Did I have to kill? Yeah. Did they like, do they, something wrong? They, they're not the kids of anybody I know, are they? Because <laughs> it's okay. This podcast going to get shut down. They're going to be like, man, this guy Justin's insane. He wants to kill little kids for a billion dollars. No, 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 yeah. not me. God, no. Don't man. take it out of context. <laughs> Don't take it. Yeah. it will. Everything yeah. Yeah. taken out for of sure. context. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, maybe we'll get more listeners that way. Yeah, Sensationalism, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what you should title this. I'm going to entitle it. <laughs> Would you kill? 15 small children for a billion dollars. No, the secret to winning the CrossFit Games through child death. (laughs) I'm going to have to edit that part And yeah, and you listeners are crazy if you're listening to this and that's what he titled it. Yeah, that's the first thing I Shame on you. The first thing I'm going to say, like, I can't believe you clicked (laughs) on this. You suck. Yeah. No, so what... um, But yeah, sorry, to get back to your question, I do think that if the prize money increases that you will see a greater prevalence of usage. I think that at high-level sports in every sport, and I've coached a few in a bunch of the biggest professional sports out there, that usage is a very, very, very commonly used thing. Um, I, I think the general population, because it's been so demonized, believes that we have tested it out of sports. But we want to... like. Every no, we thing, haven't. Yeah, well, every simple. yeah. I mean, everyone wants to see bigger and badder and more badass and more amazing and more thrilling. And so, if 
you're going to leverage science and the advancements we have on understanding the adaptive capacity of the internal systems of the body, then people are going to be bigger and badder and stronger and leaner and look better and more amazing and be better stories. And But what comes after that, though? Because it, it comes to that point, it's going to get where you're just going to have these freaks. And at some point, it's going to be demonized to where, like I said, going back to the wrestling reference, like, you know, if you look back in the 80s, these guys were just absolute monsters when I say mon- like they're bigger than like the bodybuilders in yeah. the 80s were and like that's where it was at 70s big or whatever yeah. it's 80s big so I mean you know at some do you think at some point it's going to get like okay we got to we got to cut this out like we yeah. did with weightlifting man I'm not I, I'm not sure I wish I could understand and predict how the human psyche is going to respond to things that they don't agree with I think most of most of the demonization of that is is definitely overblown. I think there are bigger issues publicly that we could work on than, yeah, oh, than steroids absolutely. and sports. And I think having more transparency and realizing that the NFL is a business, that CrossFit Games is a business. Now, it might not be the major component of the CrossFit brand's business, but it is definitely really important. And so all of these... All of what backs these big organizations is uh, is largely influenced by what's best for the business and their mission and their vision and their ability to, in, in the NFL, entertain people and make sure that they fill seats and make sure that people show up. And at CrossFit, it, like whatever Greg Glassman believes, like he wants to educate and change the fitness industry. So in order to do that, he might need a platform that – has all of these high-level athletes that inspire awe and do all this stuff. So there are decisions that go above how we're thinking about it as a public. As a public, we're thinking like, how dare those cheaters and yada, yada, yada. But behind the scenes, it's much more gray. It's like, oh, shit. Like, And I realize maybe these people wouldn't be capable of doing this. Like, How much is it going to cost to test appropriately all of these different people? How much does this, you know? And so it becomes more of like a logistical real world problem. So I would always like, I would urge anybody that has a really strong opinion on either side of this to just do more research, Yeah. right? Like get more informed. And I think that's true for anything. Like if you believe... Uh, if it fits your macros, this is the only way to do nutrition. Then you should investigate other alternative strategies of nutrition and what happens long-term measuring macros and all of that stuff. And is it a method? Yeah. Does it work for some people for a period of time? Yeah. Does it work for some people forever? Yeah. Are there other aspects of nutrition? Yeah, you're damn right. And over time, you become much more gray thinking where you're like, eh, I don't really have that strong of opinion of this, 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 or this, but I use all of them for different people for different reasons. And I make sure that progress is my number one driver and that people are my number one driver. Yeah, absolutely. Pop tart gains. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most important thing in the world, man. I, um, so speaking of the most important thing, I, I want to get a little bit of a nugget here. Is there something that you could give me like in, in recent history history that you found out that has that you've implemented in you know your business or your training of coaches um that is that's the thing that you're most excited about in recent history like what are you the most excited about right now um that's changed about the way you approach coaching oh man um well first of all having the facility 
uh, is what yeah, I'm. So mo- you're, you're here at, in CrossFit Passion. Um, so you've yeah. got this. Kind so of I have cool like twenty. I haven't seen it yet. I want to. Okay. Go yeah. Out there and take yeah. A look so I have like twenty seven hundred square feet of my own space out there and conference room and three other offices back here. But just having. Brandon and Kyle and Adam came down this past weekend and was going to be moving down and having the ability to sit down and brainstorm for three hours. We've already started creating a periodization model that tiers CrossFit athletes into different categories and has systematic text tests and breakdowns for them. We've consulted with movement guys to get a breakdown on how to prescribe mobility work and movement, uh, movement improvement progressions into somebody's training to support the specific nature of CrossFit. And I think just, and, and having the educational courses that we've created and put out and seeing the business manifest into this bigger entity has just been a really awesome thing for me to, to see the growth and so the hard really work just pay the, off. The team having the physical team has been really big for you because you have been very much so a, a nomadic coach of yeah. sorts and traveling around. So having this place here and having physical people around you to help you get your task and, and, and on this yeah, journey of yeah. trying to grow the business. I mean, I, I have always had the, the quote unquote team, right. But sitting down on but Skype, yes, yeah. sitting down on Skype for an hour a week, week is different than going into a room for five hours with a whiteboard that says, how do we upgrade our experience for our clients? How do we stand out in the world of social media without doing the same thing as everybody else in social media? That sounds like a grind. Oh, yeah. Five hours in front of a whiteboard. Yeah. It keeps coming back to that. Yeah. If you're a coach. Yeah. Um, So I, I think that I've as I've kind of evolved and as my business evolved, the number one aspect of my life that has changed is my understanding that I am 100% dependent on people. Like I'm dependent on people like you that are out there that have a passion for creating media that hound people like me who are more introverted and who would work you know, 150 hours a week and wouldn't sleep to try to get my shit done to be able to put myself out there and have people hear what I have to say. I'm dependent on people like Kyle to who to challenge my ways of thinking and challenge my ways of doing things. I'm dependent on Brandon, who's coming in with a fresh perspective and a new perspective to ask different questions and connect to different people and different personality types. I'm dependent on the social media infrastructure that I'm not a big part of to have driven so many people to love fitness and human bodies. So I think like a lot of what I'm passionate about right now is is still, it's my team, but it's more like, people it's it's a letting go of my own quote unquote desires or desire to dominate and win and have all of my athletes as the best and be on the podium and more just like observe what happens and have a team of people that I love to fucking brainstorm with and a team of athletes that is going to go through their ups and downs and that I could watch their struggle when my body is no longer capable of doing that high level of competitive stuff anymore. So it's just all vicariously through your athletes. Yeah, man, it's just, (laughs) it's the whole thing. I I wish I could have given you a better soundbite. Like this is what I'm passionate about, but I think just, no, I think it is. Like you said, it's, it's the team, it's the people. Yeah. And um, but that I think it's beautiful because it ties into what you were talking about before of constantly learning, constantly being humble enough to improve yourself. Like you said, fresh perspectives and people questioning what you do and not you just being this, you know, this all this all knowing Oz, you know, that always has the answers and they're irrefutable. Yeah, because that's that's not the case with anybody. I don't think. 
No, no. It's it, it's just a really easy story to sell. Like if I came out here and I got on this mic and I said, I am the best CrossFit coach that exists. Elba. No one's better than me. First of all, a lot of people would really want to refute that. So they'd go and they'd dig in and they'd find research and they'd find the best coach and they're part of it. But you know how much media that would give me? And that would be a good sales tool is coming out here and just basically being a self-promoter. And um, I've just kind of refused to do that. I'm like, look, I want to be the best. And I think that I'm damn near close to being the best that's out there. But I don't know how to measure that. I don't know what other people are doing with their teams behind the scenes. And the more I create a war out of that, instead of saying, hey, man, you got a team of really elite people. I do, too. Let's get together. Compare methods. Talk about what we're doing. Talk about, look, you have a couple little secrets you want to keep on your own, and I have a couple little secrets I want to keep on my own. That's fine. Let's just not share those and collaborate on other shit that we can collaborate on and then go out on game day and see what happens. It almost sounds like you want to have this tank (laughs) of, like, training-type thoughts (laughs) yeah like you're thinking about training in a in a thing that holds stuff (laughs) yeah like a training think tank well i don't know if that's a yeah actually yeah that's something better but you're on you're (laughs) on to something (laughs) yeah it's so funny because i when i came up with the name did you have a mission statement and that's what led to the name no man well no i've never really ever i've never really like everyone, I think because I just, I'm so... I just gave you your mission statement, by the way. You just said <laughs> yeah. it. You're welcome. Yeah. I'll be, send you a bill in the be, mail. Because I'm so stubborn, everyone in like the business circles are like, have these values, have this mission statement, do this. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. Like I have this vision in my head and this is what I want. And I want it to be the best thinkers out there in strength and conditioning. I know I can't hire them and have them all as part of my team, but they can be consultants. I could have some on my team. I could have right-hand men. I could have people that are good with movement, weightlifting. I was like, it's like a think tank, but for training. And I was like, training think tank. And people are like, nah, it's not catchy enough yet. And I was like, well, that's the name. And I think the symbol, the big TTT, has probably been a bigger driver of like visibility. But I think... Can I tell you that when I see that, I think of um, the Japanese gateway, the Tori. Mm, I don't know that. I only know that because my mother's name's Tori. Oh. And that's what it means. It's a spiritual... You've seen them. It's the little like... It's the the two poles with the thing on the top of it. Like the middle of it looks like a Tori and then it has that on there. So it's this, you know, like this spiritual yeah, thing yeah. or whatever so yeah and then i i put that with you <laughs> nice <laughs> so yeah no weird. yeah no that's good but, well cool there you have it uh max el hodge the rebel entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> doesn't give two shits yeah. about how stuff how about how everybody else does stuff yeah. or, he wants yeah to. or maybe i sound humble but my ego is so big that i think i can do it better so i refuse to follow the conventional way of doing things yeah there's yeah. always other ways to look at it man you, yeah you're this you're this egotistical humble guy (laughs) (laughs) i i tell everyone in my uh like when i do my camps and host my camps and i have to introduce myself i'm a walking contradiction like i don't fit in like the green day song (laughs) yeah is there a green day song called i'm pretty sure well that's probably where i got it uh yeah no but i i again i just don't i don't fit into boxes i you know i i 
I am more than comfortable saying I'm wrong or that somebody else might be better than me at something. I've said, I've said it a bunch of times on this podcast that I'm the most humble person in the world. No one is more humble than me. Mm. I crush all the other humble people at being humble. That's good. That's that's a good that's a, that's a good contradiction right there. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, Max, is there anything we talked? I could probably talk for another three hours, but I know you got stuff to do, and uh, I got to work out. I'm excited about going here, and I might, you know, I might go do some pull ups. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure Travis is probably working out. We got a weightlifting platform for you. Oh, we do. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah, right there. I'm gonna watch Travis do kipping pull ups. <laughs> While I do, while I warm up my snatch. Uh, is there anything that you want to promote, or you know, what's going on with you? How can people find you on yeah. the social medias? Yeah, so uh, trainingthinktank.com dot com uh, would be the best place to find me. I I do have somebody that controls my Instagram and Facebook. On Facebook, it's just training. Don't tell people that. Tell Don't? them it's you. Okay, it's people me. want to think it's you. Oh, okay, it's okay. me. Well, I do post, but I usually <laughs> put my name next to it. Okay. Um, so Instagram training think tank, Facebook training think tank. Uh, the website has a blog that we post once a week on that's content about training, about philosophy of training, about training theory, reflection of events that we go to. And then is, is that blog all people in 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 your kind of umbrella or do you do you have other people that you know, I've that had a couple I've had guests. well I've had one guest blog and I'll probably do more of that, but right now it's all uh, me or my coaches just to get our thoughts out there. I mean, it's still relatively new. So I want to, I want to be dominating the content that we're putting out until we get alternative perspectives. Would you, would you be open to me um, writing a blog about hair care for the balding male? Sure. Okay. If, as long as it works, I got to test it out and make sure it make, put some <laughs> hair on my, good yeah. For me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then probably the biggest thing is our educational courses that we just yeah. released. Um, we educate, we we created uh, exercise physiology, which is driven by a need for so many people that got into this industry that didn't have a basic academic understanding and can't, you know, go to seminars of some strength and conditioning coaches and understand the physiological terms. So we created a base level course for understanding that that leads into assessment and how to characterize strength and energy system categories and how to break metcons down and a classification of health and that leads then into writing strength training program design and energy system program design which is a entirely new classification system that we came up with that breaks down uh, some of the current ways in the market of thinking about strength, think th current ways in the market of thinking about energy systems, how to write templates and construct progressions, ways to progress, ways to classify strength training. Uh, and uh, we poured our heart and soul into getting those out there. So they're all digital. You get like a 250-page manual where you get an outline, accompanying materials, sample assessments, sample program designs, and you follow along, take notes. There's like 15 hours of content online, and wow. we spent a lot of time doing that. We think they're really good, and we've got awesome feedback. They launched like two and a half weeks ago, so that'd probably be the thing I want to promote most yeah, just because it, it was like and all encompassing. It was like, like my, I, my baby. Yeah. Uh, well, I know we, you've been talking about wanting to do that for a long time. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to, to diving into that and, yeah. and seeing that myself. It's really, really cool. So, and you said the best way to get all that information, just trainingthinktank.com. Yeah. It's all on the site. So there you go. Trainingthinktank.com. There's a button for the blog. If you want to go and just read any of the stuff that we put off, there's a TTT courses button that goes in. It gives you a sample of the courses, of what they are, a little intro video of them. You buy them there. If you buy them, 
you get the manual sent to you via email. You get your login, or you sorry, you get the manual sent to you in PDF in email with your login, and then we send an actual hard copy to you, so you don't have to print out all the pages. Um, and then well, that's you get, nice at, of you. yeah, it was such a pain in the ass, man. Yeah. Two hundred fifty pages. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is so expensive to print. Uh, which is another f- paper. I'm paper. like, come on. You're putting Trees. ink on paper? Come on. It's 2015. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Get the Kindle. When is the Kindle version going to come out? Yeah. I, well, I think I'll probably condense all of that into a five-minute clip and a one-page document and sell that for $7.99. And that would probably sell a lot more. It would because and, that's, the, that's the quick yeah. ADD yeah. like generation answer that everybody yeah. wants. Well, look, I mean, it, like everything else that I do, if you sign up for individual coaching, you'll find out that you're going to have to work hard for what you want. And I think I attract people that are hard workers, that are disciplined and dedicated. If you want to get to a level that I think is a good coach, then you're going to have to work really hard. There's additional reading that supports the courses that you should dig into afterwards. There's a lot of content. There's a lot of new concepts that are put out there. So it's not it's not an easy thing to take, but I think that the people that take it are really going to stand out and be appreciative that they improve their own quality of coaching. So well, it's, it's the just, weeding out process. Yeah, like man, we said. It's, it's just who I am or it's, yeah. it's really, it's, it's not only who I am, but it's what my entire business stands for. And everybody that is a part of my organization, I think as an athlete or a coach kind of fits into that uh, category. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for, for coming out or I guess not. I technically come out yeah, here for, for having me in here. Um, and as always guys, uh, you can go to garageathletes.com and check out all the stuff that we've got, all of our podcasts with all the best coaches and athletes, um, in the world. Um, through there, we're also on iTunes. Make sure you go on iTunes, give us a positive review, five stars or positive rating, five stars and leave a positive review. That really helps us out a lot. Um, you can find us on all the social media at garage athletes. We are on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the normal stuff. And, um, and we also have a YouTube channel that's got a lot of videos with a lot of these coaches out here kind of showing you how to do things from mobility to, um, tick tips and tricks about, um, protein, whatever, you know, all kinds of stuff on there. So go check that out. In addition to a lot of the competitions that are going on, we help a lot of the competitions out with media and stuff like that. So you'll see a lot of cool stuff out there right now. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Max, thank you so Thanks much. For having it's me, been man. fun, dude. I could probably do it. We could probably geek out for like another like three hours, but I haven't eaten yet today. I've had I've had coffee and whatever sugar they put in the coffee. That and ain't that's enough. about it. So it's not. You got to fuel ne- that big body. I know. Man. I mean, we were talking about the five thousand calories. If I really want to get on the gain train, I got to start eating a lot more. <laughs> I just don't have time. I don't have time to eat. I so hear you, man. How do you do it? How do I eat? Yeah. Uh, with, with my mouth yeah, and my yeah, hands. Yeah, I usually <laughs> chew and swallow. Uh, I have somebody that cooks my food for me. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Not like a wife? No, no. Like, oh, uh, like an, an emplo- actual. Yeah, like an employee. Wow. Yeah, it's nice. Wow. I got to get on that tip right there. <laughs> hey, if anybody wants to intern for Garage Athletes <laughs> and you're in culinary arts school, hit us up. Uh, info at Garage at. No, okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for checking us out. And we will see you on the next one in the garage. Garage Athletes is produced in partnership with theoamnetwork.com and garageathletes.com.